Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. Hey everyone, I have Jeremy Sharp um, with us today. He is a therapist in Colorado and has a group practice there. Hey Jeremy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Maureen. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so why don't we jump right in and why don't you give us a little bit of information about your group practice, where it's located, how many therapists you have, if you if your practice has a certain niche or, you know, give us a little bit of background on your practice and where it's at now. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm the director at our practice, the Colorado Center for Assessment and Counseling, and we are in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is about an hour north of Denver. And yeah, our practice has had the good fortune to grow over the past few years to the point that right now we have um, five licensed clinicians. Um, Four of us are licensed psychologists, and then uh, one of us is a licensed clinical social worker. We also have two part-time graduate interns uh, who are PhD students working here in the practice, you know, as part of their program requirements. And we also have an office manager. So there are five of us and then two part-time graduate students. And we are, yeah, hoping to continue to grow. As far as a niche, uh, we're kind of split where three of us do uh, pretty much only psychological testing and evaluation um, with kids and adults. Um, So what a lot of people think of as like neuropsych testing, that's kind of our specialty. And then uh, two of our therapists are only therapy at this point. So we have one person who works with adolescents and another person who works only with adults. Awesome. So as part of your kind of business plan, is your, because we'll get to what your topic is and um, what your question is relating to, what is your plan for your practice? Are you looking to hire more people? Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly looking to hire more people. Um, I think uh, just for me as a business owner, I'm really looking in that direction. would like to grow a bit more. And also, you know, in my talks with our clinicians, uh, they would like to add a few more people to our team as well. So that's definitely on the horizon. It's just a matter of figuring out when and how and all those important questions. Yeah, those are fun questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, that's where you come in. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so this kind of leads to what we've been talking about as being the topic for this podcast episode, which is balancing, um, growing, and being able to keep that sort of family style uh, connection with your therapist. So let's let's dive into that. Uh, ask me your question, and um, we'll go into it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, when you sent out the request for the podcast, you know, I emailed Mac, and I think my my question or idea was how big is too big. Yeah. So yeah, thus far, um, I need to find some wood to knock on, but you know, we've been fortunate enough to. Um, have enough business for each of the folks that I've brought on with relatively little trouble, you know, having them get busy. And so, you know, I get the sense that there's a real need here in the community for uh, for more practitioners. And I would love to add more practitioners, but also want to make sure and balance that with uh, keeping the the culture of our practice, which is that we're pretty close knit. You know, we like to spend time hanging out in each other's offices. I like to stay in touch with my therapists and psychologists, you know, to know their families, their 
partners, their pets, you know, their birthdays, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really trying to navigate how big is too big. You know, how do you grow without losing that personal connection within the practice? And I think that's such an awesome question, especially for people. Do you have employees or independent contractors? Yeah, they're employees. Okay. Same, same with me. And I feel like that's the kind of question that people who have employees tend to ask is because part of the culture of having employees is usually uh, business owners want to have that family feel or that extra connection. Um, and so I think that's an awesome question to ask, especially when you're thinking about adding more therapists. Um, mm -hmm. With regards to your specific business, what are you, are you looking to, when you're thinking about expanding, expanding within the same, because I, when I look at how to keep a you know, family style connection with my therapist, it kind of goes into a couple of different directions mm. um, based on what my goals are. So I noticed that it's a much, it ha I had a much easier time growing when it was within the same space versus when I added that second location. It's been a, a different sort of challenge to keep that mm -hmm. connection. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of wondering, what is, what are you thinking about? And you may not have the answer yet, but um, I figured mm -hmm. I'd ask, what are you thinking about when, you, when you're looking, you know, a year or three years into the future? Is it having a larger space or is it having multiple locations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually really timely. So I'm looking at office space right now and my, uh, my vision is that we would be in the same space. Um, our town is not really big enough to support multiple locations. Um, I, I suppose I could expand into neighboring cities, but I don't really have that as part of the vision. Um, but yeah, I am looking at bigger space right now. And then that of course raises the question of, you know, how big of a space to get, you know, with the, the projected growth and, um, and all of that. So yeah, I would hope that we would all be in the same space. And I think that um, makes it slightly easier um, because obviously mm. as you have multiple locations that would make it more, adds the extra layer of difficulty in keeping that connection. And I think um, mm -hmm. it at least reduces an extra barrier that you potentially could have by staying in the same space. The location that you're looking at now, how many offices and how many offices do you have now and how many offices does the one that you're kind of looking at now have? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great question. So right now we have six offices. Um, the most recent space that I looked at, that's probably the, the strongest contender is fully double. So we could have at least 11, perhaps 12, depending on how we do the build out. Okay. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you mm -hmm. see, do you see that being your kind of end of growth or is that another stepping stone? You know, I would hope that it would be the end of growth. Okay. Um, yeah, any visioning I've done so far, I, I don't see our practice getting bigger than 10 or 12 clinicians. Um, so, yeah, my hope is that that would be more of a permanent space. We've moved a lot over the past three or four years. So, yeah, yeah this is. Yeah, we've done the same thing. I'm, I'm kind of mm -hmm. hoping that my main space that I work out of doesn't change and, um, you know, possibly adding one more location. I'm in Chicago, so it's a little bit easier to have. Uh, sure. several locations, but that are still within a couple miles of each other. And it ends mm -hmm. up reaching, you know, whole different populations and communities. Yeah. It's kind of weird in that, in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. But with regards to your space that you're looking at, it's kind of uh, perfect that you're looking to add, you know, around 10 people total, because mm -hmm. that's exactly what I have in my first location is 
between Mm. between 10 and 12 people. So I can, I can talk about that family feel just within my main location, which is where, you know, the, the one that I started and the one that I currently work out of. Um, Mm -hmm. And I find that it's actually not so difficult to keep the family style, but I think there are a few things that I put in place for myself in terms of leadership and my role and the things that I do. And Mm -hmm. um, that played a big role in how involved I was able to be on the, in the day-to-day, you know, communication with the therapists and doing kind of the things that you talk about, you know, being able to sit in their office and just talk about, you know, work-related stuff, but also life and, you know, what their Mm -hmm. hobbies are and what their, you know, plan is for vacation in the summer and their kids and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was me reducing my clinical hours. I've Mm -hmm. always been, you know, one of the group practice owners in our community of group practice owners that didn't work seeing 20 plus clients per week. Um, Mm -hmm. I was always around 15 hours and where I'm at now is closer to five. Um, and that's just because I have uh, on top of the consulting with two locations, I'd have to drive back and forth. And I want to make sure that I have that extra time for the people in the other office too. But mm-hmm. what I noticed was as I reduced my hours clinically in seeing clients, I, I it obviously freed up uh, time for me to still be in the office. So I didn't reduce the amount of time that I was actually sitting in the office. But I you know, ended up, it was really great because I ended up being able to balance my non-clinical non-client seeing time by adding, you know, hours looking at my accounting, which I didn't always do um, because I was seeing (laughs) clients and, you know, other things were, you know, air quote, more busy and more important in my eyes. Um, But it also then gave me the space. My door is almost always open, you know, aside from me doing a podcast episode right now, the door is closed. But um, as, as soon as we're done, the door is open. And for the rest of the day, I have one client later in the afternoon my door is open and I'm just doing work. And as I hear my, we have a door that jingles as it jingles. I'm like, Ooh, which therapist is in now, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I'll walk out and talk to them. And so I think that plays a big role personally on my side is I just have the availability. And I think there's a lot of group practice owners out there that are struggling to balance their time, you know, manage their time just in general and are spending a lot of time seeing a lot more time than they should seeing clients. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole, I went to school to be a therapist, so I feel like I need to be, you know, doing that work as much as possible. Right. So how how is it with you? How many clients are you seeing? Mm-hmm. How much time are you spending on the business end or on the clinical end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um. gosh, that's really in flux right now. So uh, at this point, I'm in a little bit of transition where um, one of our clinicians is leaving at the end of the month. So I've had to absorb a little bit of her clinical load. So that's, that's really up the amount of time that I'm spending. Okay. Um, How much time is that? Yeah. So I do a funny schedule. I do basically one week where I'm totally on, I call it an on week where I see clients from like seven to three, uh, Monday through Friday. But then the next week I take totally off quote unquote to do administrative and, um, I write a lot of reports, you know, cause I do a lot yeah. of testing evaluation. So it's that combination of responsibilities that happens on the off week. And that's when I meet with people. And yeah. Do you have a lot of time on your off week? If you're, cause you know, we, I have a couple of psychologists in my practice and they, that only do testing and mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time on report writing. And so I'm assuming on your off time, you're really still doing a lot of clinical work, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the report writing and all that. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. Yeah, I probably spend at least three of those off weekdays uh, just writing reports and doing clinical kind of stuff. So, yeah, I might have a day or maybe a day and a half to just do administrative. Is your plan to reduce? I like the idea of of how you how you kind of structure your work with it's almost like that idea of batching. You know, you go full mm-hmm. with with doing testing and clinical work, and then you're fully off in that sense. But do you mm-hmm. have a plan to, I know, aside from the fact that you're absorbing a little bit of your one um, psychologist's caseload, mm-hmm. are you, is your plan to reduce the amount of clients? Because, I mean, Monday through Friday, seven to three, that's a lot of clients. Sure. I, know testing is, <laughs> I know testing is several right. hours at a time and stuff, but that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of time. No, I would love to reduce that. Um, I would love to. I mean, the, the challenge here is finding someone who can take over my clinical load. So like, you know, pediatric assessment person, Uh I've just had a really hard time finding that clinician to bring onto our practice. Ah, okay. Yeah. Is that something that you're in the process of of looking for now is? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would make a big difference. Um, if I can offload some of my clinical work to another pediatric person. For sure. Because there's, no way that you can sustain that amount of clinical work long term and mm-hmm. still be able to be, you know, as available as you want to be to your clinicians because they, you know, they see you working hard and they probably also don't want to bug you either then, you know? I think that's true. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to, to bring up in with regards to this growth aspect and the pos- possible 12 office space is... Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, I know you mentioned you have several therap- therapists or psychologists and mm-hmm. one support staff. Mm-hmm. Are you the person that everyone goes to for, do you have any other, like a clinical director, supervisor, anything like that? I do not. No, I'm still the one who, yeah, would do anything that I think would fall under a clinical director role. Okay. It. What's your thoughts on that? Is that something that you plan on continuing to have as you grow or something that you're looking to get help with? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've, uh, in theory, I would love to um, delegate that away also. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I kind of wrestle with that because, uh, you know, I'll admit that I have a, a, just a touch of control issues, you know? So <laughs> I, I kind of like to know what's going on in the practice and yeah. if there's anything that might be emergent or problematic or anything like sure. that. So I kind of like knowing about that stuff, but yeah, I mean, I really would also like to um, let someone else handle it, to be honest. Okay. So my my line of thinking with that question is, you know, when I, maybe three years ago or so, one of the therapists that first started working with me four or five years ago, um, two year, one or two years into it, I was like, you know, there's, I'm also slightly a control freak if she was in the <laughs> office now, which... I think she's not in for another hour or so. She would be nodding her head in agreement. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've come to what's really helped is I, before I had her doing clinical director work and she was just seeing clients, I would, you know, I think I had six therapists at the time when I decided to ask her if she'd be interested in having that position. And Mm -hmm. I just remember spending a lot of my time you know, I think I was still around 15 clients that I was seeing at that time. And, um, I was in the office three days a week. My husband was a teacher, a teacher. So 
I wanted to be, you know, somewhat available to the kids, to our kids on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple of the days aside from the weekend. So I always worked Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. That's been my schedule since I started private practice. Um, but Mm -hmm. I noticed that, you know, putting in my 15 clients in those three days, as well as, um, training new therapists, which takes a while talking to my admin at the time I had a a virtual assistant who was doing our billing, um, Mm -hmm talking with our accountant and clinicians asking, you know, questions like supervision related questions, case consultation, simple questions on using therapy notes or getting an authorization for treatment and all that kind of stuff was taking up so much time that I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of time where my door was open or where I'd hear a a clinician coming out of the office um, for me to just sit with. And so my decision in having one of my therapists become a clinical director, which it doesn't have to be a clinical director. I see a lot of practices that have supervisors and that works perfectly fine as well. But being able to offload a little bit of it, and I'm telling you as from one control freak to another, there is a (laughs) way to manage that. So Lauren is my clinical director and um, we have a once per month meeting set up in our therapy note schedule where mm-hmm. it's it's like a counseling session. It's scheduled in there. And I, I do this for all of my stuff uh, once a month. I have an appointment, a standing appointment with my in-house biller so that we can talk about any problems she's had or questions that I have. We talk about income and revenue and all that stuff. And then I have a standing appointment also with my receptionist or front desk person who does the intakes mm-hmm. um, to see how she's doing and whatnot. So if, you know, for some reason I get super busy, time doesn't, you know, months don't pass with me giving personal attention to each of them. But aside from that one uh, scheduled session per month that I have with my clinical director where we talk about, you know, she talks about, I um, we do a lot of metrics with the clinicians to see how many clients they're seeing, their retention rates, things like that. And Mm -hmm. that time we use for that. But throughout the week, um, we have the sort of relationship where, you know, she knows to come into my office. I don't want to know it's my own personal trying to grow a little bit out of the control freakness is Mm -hmm. that I've, you know, told her I really want, you know, she's been the clinical director now for several years. So the, all the decisions she's had to make, and she used to work in a crisis center. So she's really good with crisis related stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I never have to doubt. Um, and it, it's just been proven because, you know, for a couple of years, I was having her tell me everything that was happening and she was doing perfectly fine. So now we have a system in place where when she does any sort of supervision on, you know, with a clinician who's just having difficulty moving forward with a client or whatnot, those are the kind of things I don't have to know about anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I only I only get notified if there's big ticket things happening. Um, like last week, a potential client calling and saying he's gonna blow up uh, a CTA bus because we didn't have uh, we didn't take his insurance. Like that's those oh. are that yeah I know it was we had to call the police. It was a a fun thing. Um, but those are the kind of things where I'm like, you know, let me know. I want to be a part of, I want to be a part of that. But aside from that, if there's just, just day to day questions, she, those things go to her. And I kind of love this idea only because I get to talk to clinicians, all the clinicians about fun stuff. So they don't have to come to me with any issues ever. You know, (laughs) if they have a clinical issue, they go to the clinical director. Um, they obviously, mm-hmm. if, if I'm in and she's not in, you know, they'll, they'll come in my office to say, Hey, I have a quick question. I want to get feedback on 
Um, but I really get to use my time in a more quality manner with them. And so I, I find it to be, I always joke, I, I get to have the fun relationship um, with them because I can just go in and um, kind of like you were mentioning in the beginning, we get to just talk about life and what they're doing and their hobbies and their goals and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And so kind of where I'm lead, going to with this is that potentially looking into, especially as you grow into a 12 office suite, if that's the you know direction that you end up going into, it will be really hard for you to be the go-to for everything for your clinicians. Mm-hmm. And it will, so it will totally reduce the amount of time that you have to just keep the workplace culture the way you mm-hmm. have it now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's something to think about. Like I said, I, I see there's a group practice owner here in Chicago, but kind of way downtown. So nowhere, nowhere. I don't see her that often, but we've met a few times and mm-hmm. she's got nine locations, even out of state, you know, oh. she's opened a, I know a location. Um, oh my gosh. What's the city right next to us? St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has nine locations, over a hundred therapists working for her. And she was the one that gave me the idea a couple of years ago of having a clinical director or a supervisor. And so what she has in her practice is she has supervisors in every location, um, even in her location. And that just frees up time for her to be able to also engage in, you know, meaningful, positive conversations with her, with her clinicians. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that idea. Yeah. But I definitely feel like the other piece of it is how much clinical work you're doing. When you have a 12 office space, it'll make it much harder for you to weed. You know, let's say you work 40 hours a week and on your off week, air quotes off week, um, (laughs) you are spending, you know, maybe half of that time writing reports and doing all, you know, all the other stuff that really doesn't give you time for your clinicians, you maybe have 10 to 15 leftover hours within that week that Mm -hmm. you then split between the six clinicians that you do have or the five clinicians that you do have. Now, if you're doubling to a 12 office space, that 10 to 15 hours is going to have to be split between, you know, potentially 10, 11 therapists. Mm -hmm. And that's not, Mm -hmm. and that's not giving the, uh, given the fact that when you grow, you're going to have to spend a little bit more time on administrative stuff. And um, so it will take some more time, free time that you have away. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, when you break it down like that, those hours go by pretty quickly. I'm sure they do. I'm Mm -hmm. sure if you were to, you know, look into one of your off weeks at how much free time you actually have to, um, you know, spend with them and think about, what that'll look like in the future when you have double that amount of clinicians, um, reducing your caseload is probably going to be one of the key pieces. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully your search and finding a pediatric tester, right? Is that what you That's said? right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, comes for you. So, so with regards to your, the family style, what style, what kind of things are you doing now that you want to be able to keep or are there things that you're thinking of adding that you haven't yet looked into Mm. when it comes to that? Mm, Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So let's see. We just do a few things right now. So aside from the just um, stopping in and chatting and um, doing the informal 
you know, hanging out around the office. Um, you know, we do birthdays. So I do birthday gifts, um, for folks. Um, I do just like little, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, self-care sort of things like keeping drinks and snacks and things like that around the office for them and kind of like know what they like and what everybody's favorite thing is. Um, that sort of thing. Um, let me see what else we, I'm planning to do a little, um, not like a retreat, but like a fun, I don't know, Friday afternoon activity of some sort, you know, like, uh, just going out together and, um, having a good time outside of work. That's awesome. And I would like to, I'd like to make those like a quarterly thing if possible. I think that would be huge if you, um, you know, expand to that larger space is Mm -hmm. because what I've noticed as a, you know, a potential barrier to keeping the family style is that with six people, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot easier to have that, you know, six total people, right? Five and you, five and you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as you get, as you get larger, there's sev- there's several therapists that I never actually see because they are only working nights and I, I work daytime hours or, okay. you know, some that work nights and weekends and I'm not in on the weekends. And so, or that work, Wednesday, Friday, and, you know, not my Monday, Tuesday, Thursday timeframe. And so that's where I noticed that uh, there's a little bit of extra work on my end, which is okay because I don't see so many clients. And I come in sometimes at night to, you know, if I know a package is coming, uh, mm-hmm. instead of me waiting until the following day when I'm just going to be in the office, I will, you know, wait for my husband to come home from work. Um, and then I'll be like, I'm going to go into the office because there's a package there anyways. And I'm going to do one hour of work and I'll sit at the front desk, like the admin desk, because my office is usually taken at night and Mm -hmm. I'll pick up my package and I'll just hang out for one hour. I can always do work on my computer. And as the doors open, I'm like, Hey, and they're usually like, Oh, what are you doing here? I never get to see Mm -hmm. it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I've become a little bit creative with, um, being able to be available when, um, with people that I don't get to see. And that tends to happen as you get larger. There's even therapists that will not meet each other because they're on opposite schedules or at different days or they're using each other. You know, two people are using the same office. Like I have two therapists in one, one of my offices, one works 10 to five and the other one works every Tuesday through Friday. And the other one works Monday through Thursday, five to nine. And so they literally like cross cross paths for like a second, but they never work together. So they don't get to have that collaboration that they get together, which I think improves the family style is just that the clinicians actually have the time to communicate with each other, you know? And I love Mm -hmm. that when I walk out of my office and I see, you know, three therapists sitting in one office talking and I'm like, I love this. I'm glad that you, you know, everyone connects so well that they feel safe and comfortable going into each other's offices. But like I said, as it, as you get bigger, you notice that there's more, you know, clinicians that aren't able to meet with each other because they don't work the same schedule. And so doing quarterly outings of some sort, which is something we do, 100% makes a a huge difference, you know, and you can definitely do things that aren't so, you know, the larger you get, the more expensive, obviously taking, you know, 12 people out is, Um, but there's definitely, you know, things that you can do that are not so costly, like, you know, going out to dinner and stuff that tends to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more on the expensive side. But there's, um, you know, other, we've done paint parties where you can bring your own beer and all that kind of fun stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a, it's just a huge difference in how, uh, alive people become, the clinicians become 
to see each other outside of the normal work setting and to be able yeah. to, you know, collaborate with the other therapists that they might not always see. So I think yeah. that's huge. If you can continue that and do something quarterly, it definitely uh, helps with that family culture and people really appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like that stuff. Yeah. So, um, any other questions that I kind of, what I had written down is we've kind of talked over having a support in terms of either clinical director or supervisor at some point helps because it gives you freeze up some time Mm -hmm. having outings of some sort. Um, Oh, another thing is, I don't know how we haven't really talked about this, but having systems in place, obviously Mm. we all have systems in place, but really tightening them up. And I still do this. I we're now my biller and I are talking about a, a way to tighten up the credit card processing that we do so that she can, um, the way she does it now, it's taking, it takes up a little bit more of her time and we're trying to reduce how much time she has to spend on charging the credit cards. Um, and so, like I said, we're constantly trying to reduce how we, you know, how much work we spend on the different systems that we do have in place. Mm -hmm. Um, and by doing that, if you can look at all the different systems that you have from like the intake process, um, how the process that clinicians have from a client's first visit to termination, how they get authorizations, who they have to contact if, uh, a new, like who does the new first initial call? Is it your clinicians? Is it an admin person? The contacts mm-hmm. that they have to have together, tightening that stuff up definitely reduces how much time you spend doing back and forth with your clinicians. Cause obviously it'll mm-hmm. become a pain when you have 10 to 12 therapists that are all asking very similar questions. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also a good um, eye opener because it lets you know, you know, if you have a similar question being asked over and over again, it's likely that there's not a good system in place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think looking at that as you're moving into the larger practice and seeing what systems do we have now that could potentially become cumbersome or become a lot more work when we double the clinicians that we do have, because if you can tighten that stuff up, it obviously frees up space that you're that you have having to have not so fun communication with your clinicians, um, but it also reduces their time in having to you know ask a ton of questions. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. How do you okay. feel about your systems? Yeah, I think that. Um, well, that's a great question. I I think they're okay. They're not fantastic. Um, I, like I, just as you're talking, I was thinking of two or three things that people do ask me a lot. Where I could, it'd be very easy to just you know type out a little script or make yeah. a video or something to show them totally. what to do. I yeah. just I just started. Um, I put a password protected page. Uh, it's not on our website, but it's a part of the Urban Wellness website. Mm-hmm. Where um, I started putting little one-minute videos on very common questions that people have, which are usually mm-hmm. like um, because we take a couple of insurances. It's usually questions relating to, you know, um, I did uh, therapy on on Doxy. How do where do I put the uh, modifier? Because you have to you know put the G to mm-hmm. modifier, and then ev- everyone asks it the first two times that they do it because it's kind of in a weird, obscure place in therapy notes. So mm-hmm. I, I put a video of that up. I put a video up of how you get an authorization because we, ha- we have Telogen, um, that Blue Cross mm-hmm. requires auths for testing. Um, yes. And so 
I showed what information they need because they don't tell you. It's literally like a blank sheet of paper essentially on the website. And it's like, and then you give all the information you think they want and then they'll come back to you and be like, we still need, you know. And so I made a video of of all the information that you have to put in that you might not be thinking about. Um, And that's definitely made an improvement in, you know, the type of communication that we have to have with our clinicians because I prefer to have as much positive, fun, engaging conversations and less of the you know, how do you do this? And let me show you how to do this. Cause that's not fun for them. And it's not fun for me. So, sure. um, I think tightening up those processes by either, you know, and I was just talking to someone, um, I don't know if it was yesterday or was last Friday, um, that making decisions becomes so much with small things becomes so much more important as you grow. Cause obviously as you're solo and you have a couple of therapists, I remember things like cancellation or no shows, late cancels or no shows. <laughs> Being mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't care from a business, on my pers- as like the business owner, I wanted the clinicians to be able to make that decision based off the relationship with their clients. And I don't care from a financial perspective for mm-hmm. my business uh, about charging no-shows. I, I know, you know, because of boundaries, it's really good to do it and because of, you know, holding people accountable. But from a financial perspective, I was like, if you want to charge, you charge. If you don't, you know, j- as long as you're okay with not getting paid for that no show, I'm I'm okay with it from you know from that standpoint. But I realized mm-hmm. as I was growing, everyone can't be doing you know something as simple as just making a decision if this person should be charged that late cancel fee. That mm-hmm. you can't leave it up to each individual clinician as you get larger because it becomes like super overwhelming for your billing person or for my billing person. She's like, okay, so Lauren yeah. is not charging the fee not for this one, but yes, charge the fee for that. Okay, and and Heidi wants to charge them or cancellate, but not only if it, you know, and it became this big mess. And so, and it's literally the simplest thing, like just charge it or don't charge it. Um, that we had to, you know, when I got to this expanded, this suite that I'm in now, mm-hmm. the main one that has about 10 or 11 clinicians in it. Um, mm-hmm. I had to literally put a system in place that said, you know, at the initial appointment, clinicians are supposed to talk about, you know, go through the intake paperwork, which includes the no-show late cancel fee. I get that it's really uncomfortable to talk about money, but if you do it in the first session, you know, you shouldn't have to talk about it again. Then mm-hmm. um, everyone in the office should give each of their clients a freebie because one, clients forget or they're not fully listening because they're in distress or whatever in their first session. And so at that first no-show or a late cancel, that's the reminder time to say our practice is able to waive it. But, you know, any future ones, just as a reminder, is, you know, $135, which is what ours is our, our fee. Um, and right. that's the second right. But I had to, like, lay it out and say, this is what you got to do, guys. And so, mm-hmm. but what that's done is it's reduced, even just with that one specific issue, it's reduced the back and forth between the clinicians and me with uh, conversations that are not engaging and not connecting and not improving the culture of our, you know, of our practice. It's just kind of was wasteful conversation and not useful is mm-hmm. now we don't have these questions. I don't, you know, when clinicians come into the office, they're coming in to be like, Hey, um, you just, I saw you just did a mud run, which I did last uh, on Sunday, <laughs> hey, <laughs> the Spartan race. Yeah. Um, and so they come in the office to be like, how many bruises do you have versus, hey, um, do I have to charge a snow show fee? So I definitely think as you decide on growing, and even if you don't, is to 
to really tighten up whichever systems you see them asking the most questions about or that you mm-hmm. see your and asking your support staff is really good with that as well. Because mm-hmm. again, at the end of the day, it's going to reduce um, time that you spend on non-culture enhancing communication. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. Okay. I like that. Cool. Could I circle quickly? Yes. I know we're almost out of time, totally but fine. back to the, just the office space, that yes. kind of leap, like I said, this yeah. new space would be double the amount of space we have. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Like, you know, moving to like a nine office yes. versus a 12 office, like that kind of thing? Um, I believe, and I think you might find different opinions, is that mm-hmm. once you have, you have a six office space now, right? Yes. And everyone is comfortably full, right? Yes. Oh, and yeah. um, you feel like there's still referrals coming in, right? Oh, yeah. Those yeah, are kind of my basics for, for myself. Because what I did was essentially what you what you did. I have a six office space here, and mm-hmm. I ju- went on in November doubled, but it just into a second location. So now I have you know twelve offices between the two. But I just mm-hmm. um, I grew very slowly in the beginning. I rented first solo from an acupuncturist office. Then I got six months later a one office space for myself and hired my first therapist. Then I moved to a four office space and then a six office space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you know last year I just doubled it. And it has been seamless aside from getting on insurance panels, which is a pain in the butt over there. But um, I don't think that there's as big of a problem with doubling space once you're at the point of like a five to eight office space to double it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're, you have like the momentum already in your practice. And I feel like the larger you get, the easier, the more referrals are coming in uh, naturally Mm -hmm. because of the space or the amount of therapists that you have. And it's almost like a, I view it as like a snowball. Your snowball is already rolling down the hill. And so if you were to get another three office, to me, I feel like getting a a three office space would be a waste of space because I'd be able to have it filled in like a year, you know, less than a year, not even. Sure. And so I would rather um, double my space like I did and work my way into filling that space up so that I don't have to move yet again in a year from now you know, that second location. And so I, mm-hmm. I don't see it being an issue if you feel like, A, you know, the clinicians that you do have are full. B, there's still a good steady stream of referrals coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and C, there's that availability to, to double your office space. Then I'm, I, that's where my risk, my cost to risk analysis, I, I tend to be, um, a safe risk taker. Like I'm not all in on a lot of things. That's how I grew very slowly, but I'm risky enough to start a group practice and get second locations and stuff. But what I've noticed is doubling an office space when you already have a pretty large six office suite is a pretty large space to begin with. Um, You've already proven you can do that. And it's almost wasteful to like get another, you know, to grow to like a seven or eight or nine office suite, you know, Mm-hmm. So I would mm-hmm. say go for it. Everything All that right. you're telling me when it comes to where your practice is at says you'll definitely get there within a year, year and a half, filling that 12 office space. It's going to, like I said, it'll be a pain when, if you get a nine office space to literally three extra offices to what you have is a, it will be a, a quick fill for you. you know? Okay. That's good perspective. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I've, I really noticed that as you, you know, when you get to like a large space and I think six offices, having six offices is pretty large, is that it's, it's this like a snowball, 
you're, you're, mm. you have all that momentum already going for you. And, um, if your long-term goal is to have 10 or so therapists, then a nine office suite is probably going to be really hard if you have full-time people in the mix and people being able to kind of have the schedules that they want to have. A nine office space is going to be kind of tight. Um, and so mm-hmm. now if your long-term goal was to have, I don't know, seven or eight therapists or nine therapists, then yeah, a nine office, a 12 office suite would be kind of a waste. Right. But right. you said part of your business plan is to have 10, 10, 11 therapists, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's the route to it. Plus, um, it gives you a little bit of extra space, maybe a room or two that is a little more free for either having interns or have, hiring a couple extra, you know, therapists once your 10 are filled. Um, and it gives you that flexibility. And financially, it's it, it's totally worth it. You know, you'll easily pay the difference between a six office and 12 office for the rent in mm-hmm. one, one extra therapist. If you hire a seventh therapist, you know, if you think about mm-hmm. it at this point, if you are hired a sixth therapist, cause you have five, if you hired one more, that person themselves can pretty much cover if they're full time, yeah. the cost of going from a six office to 12 office. That's so, a good point. Yeah. 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 It's nice to just have it be black and white like that. It's true though. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a scary thing to think about doubling. And I know I felt that as well when I Mm -hmm. decided to get that second space, because, um, for me, I felt part of it was how do I keep the family culture when I'm not Mm -hmm. in that office? And so I've kind of adjusted by being, you know, going into that office each week, but also Mm -hmm. having, we have staff, staff case consultation where, um, both offices come and we have lunch, uh, once a month in the office and, both locations, people all come together. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, the fear of, yeah, am I going to be able to fill six more, seven more, you know, clinicians on top of the ones that I have? But like right. I said, it was, it, it, it has proven that when you have that momentum going, it's going to continue. And it's also something that I um, observe in other group practices that are large, like the one that I was telling you about that has nine locations. It's, you know, she's got the momentum of her name, her brand, her practice being out there that wherever she sets camp, she sent, you know, is able to fill them up. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I think that'll That's be, good to hear that. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've, um, uh, like subjectively experienced that, but I'm, you know, it's good to hear somebody else say that too. Yeah. It seems like as we get bigger, the momentum just grows, which is great. Yeah. And, and, and things get a little easier in some sense as you get bigger. You know, there's more time and work and effort you need to put in to balance a larger suite and more mm-hmm. clinicians. But there's also things that get easier, like marketing tends to get easier. For, for me, I, have to, I spend a lot less time on having to directly market with people all the time as I did <laughs> when I was smaller um, because when I decided to go, you know, add d- the double space, People already knew we existed, and so I could just contact my existing contacts and let them know we're expanding, and then just mm-hmm. you know spend one do one marketing for me. I do one thing of face to face marketing each month, mm-hmm. um, and I usually go somewhere near the new location since everyone around this location knows we exist. And I spend more of my time with like on market online marketing means versus in person now, and so 
I think that's something that is just organically sort of happens because people start to recognize you. And obviously the larger you get, the more recognition you're going to have versus if you're a one, two, three, you know, therapist office, your, your reach isn't as far. And so then you have to spend more time making your reach happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Well, any other questions? This before is great. We... No, no, this has been super helpful. That's awesome. Well, thank really you so should. much for um, reaching out to my email request and coming on <laughs> the podcast. This is uh, one of these questions that I think a lot of people have is when should I expand? What things do I need to look out for when I expand? And how do I keep you know all my clinicians happy and make sure that the culture and all of that stays the same or enhances as you grow? Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's the most important thing, I think, is keeping people happy and, yeah, let it, want them to stick around. So. Yeah, totally. I really appreciate it. Maureen. Yeah. Well, good luck and make sure you let us all know, um, if you decide to take that 12 office space. I will. Yeah. All right. Thank awesome. You. Well, it was good talking to you. You too. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. 